Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. I am Chris. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Today is going to be part one of a two-part Q&A that I'm really excited to dive into. Recently, I've done a couple of Q&As that have been specifically on TikTok, and this time around, I'm doing a Q&A from everywhere. So I got some questions from TikTok, some questions from Instagram. I have some questions that I got from my clients that I'm working with, and I'm packaging them all together and doing a two-part Q&A. So five questions in this episode. There will be five more questions in the next episode that I answer, um, and I'm, I'm getting this all recorded now. I'm actually going to be going on vacation for a week, so I want to make sure I get you an episode this week and next week. Um, so we're doing it all today, and I think uh, you're really going to enjoy this one. So some of the questions that we're going to dive into today, here are the five on the list. We're going to talk about creatine, when you should use creatine, this supplement that uh, a lot of people um, are constantly asking about. So we're, we're going to answer some questions about creatine. Uh, we're going to answer someone's question about doing a uh, specific exercise, Romanian deadlifts, and how to get stronger at that exercise when you run into a plateau. We're going to talk about setting up a long-term plan. So a year-long plan on how to um, lose weight, burn body fat, and just set something up that's going to help you be consistent across the entire year. We're also going to dive into questions that I get on a consistent basis about rapid weight loss. So how can you lose weight rapidly and is it something that I would recommend? And lastly, how to get in enough protein during times of fasting. So there's a lot of holidays right now with Lent, Ramadan's coming up. Um, I've had a number of questions from my clients on this topic, and I thought this would be really helpful to talk about on the podcast as well. So excited to answer those questions today. Before we dive in, as always, really quick, I want to remind you, I am a coach, and what I do is I help people around the world chase their fitness and nutrition goals, whatever they may be, uh, whether it be building muscle, burning fat, getting stronger, feeling more confident. Uh, we work on these things day to day, week to week. I put together customized programs for my clients and they get consistent support, guidance, um, and feedback from me to make the progress that they're looking for. So if that's something that you're interested in, if you have a goal, you want to chase it, but you want some coaching to help you actually achieve that goal, that's why I'm here. ChrisGatesFitness.com is where you can find everything about my coaching. I have a link to the coaching page in the show notes for this episode, so definitely check that out. And if you're interested in talking more about your goals, please fill out a, an application. I will follow up with you, and we can talk about what a program might look like for you. So um, if you're interested, I hope to hear from you. But all right, let's dive into today's episode. Once again, part one of this Q&A. And the first question we can talk about is, when is the best time to use creatine? Creatine is a, so first and foremost, it is a supplement, okay, um, that is widely studied, studied, widely used. And it's funny, it like... It's a constant topic of conversation on social media, and um, I don't know really where it got started. I feel like a lot of fitness influencers talk about creatine in, in a joking way, almost like per, like joking that creatine is like being on steroids, but it, it's not. So let's make that clear. It's not. It is a 
supplement that can help you recover from your workouts more efficiently, perform better in your workouts more efficiently, but it's not like a performance enhancing drug or anything like that. But I think because creatine is so effective, a lot of times people will joke about how it's it's a performance enhancing supplement or something like. I mean, it, it will enhance your performance, but it's not uh, anything that's illegal um, or anything like that. In fact, it's the most studied molecule in all of sports science. Uh, so there is a ton of research behind creatine that shows that those things I mentioned before in terms of helping you recover from your workouts, helping you perform better in your next workout, um, creatine can be very effective. It's been shown to be effective and safe for virtually everybody. Um, and so I, I do recommend if, if you're interested in using it, you don't have to use it. It's not something that you have to take. It's something that you can take. And it's something that if you take it, you will probably see benefits from it. Um, I personally take it, uh, but it, it's um, it, it's a it, it's something that's already in your body, right? Like something your body produces creatine, so it's it's something that's natural. You're not putting any type of foreign su- substance in your body, and it's been shown to be beneficial for for training and performance and recovery. So, in terms of when the best time is to use creatine. It, it actually is not all that important as long as you're taking it consistently. And that's something that I kind of messed around with for the longest time was thinking about, okay, well, if, if it's a supplement for performance, then I should take it ahead of my workout so I get the performance benefits. And then I thought, well, if it's a supplement for recovery, I should take it after my workouts so that I'm helping my, my body recover and get ready for that next workout tomorrow. And at the end of the day, like the point of creatine is to your body, like I said, your body produces creatine naturally. Um, you're also going to get creatine from if you, if you eat a lot of meat as part of the protein uh, that you get each day, you're going to get some creatine from the meat that you eat from that protein. Um, and supplementing it is really the, the intention of supplementing it is to make sure your muscles are saturated with creatine so that your body has as much as it needs. Um, so the timing of creatine doesn't really matter. What matters more is the consistency with which you take it. So if you're interested in supplementing with creatine, um, and I think I kind of cut myself off earlier by saying you don't have to, if you're interested in supplementing with creatine, you absolutely can. I would recommend it. I recommend it to anybody that, um, has training goals and has the money to spend on it. It's relatively inexpensive. Um, in terms of timing, it doesn't matter. What matters the most is having it consistently. Uh, you, like I said, you want to have the muscle saturated with creatine to get the most benefit out of it. And if you take three to five grams a day on a regular basis, regardless of what time of day you take it, you're going to be giving your body everything that it needs. Now, one additional thing I will add is A lot of supplement brands will say you need to load creatine when you start using it, um, and that is absolutely not the case. It's more or less. It's so if you load creatine, what they'll normally say is like, you know, five grams a day or five grams three times a day, so fifteen grams a day for five days to load it and get the muscle saturated with creatine before you can then scale back to three to five grams a day. Um, Whether you do, I mean, you can do that. 
I think it's a waste because your muscles, you already have creatine. You're probably eating protein that's bringing creatine into your diet. Some of the other supplements, if you're taking them, could even have creatine in them. Um, you most, I feel like most people don't have to load it. You can if you want. I really think that's more of a scheme by the supplement companies to get you to consume more of it quicker so that then you have to buy more of it. Um, but I, I, what I tell everybody is three to five grams a day. Don't load it. If you take three to five grams a day, every single day, you're going to saturate the muscle with creatine. You're going to get every benefit out of it that you're intending to get. Um, so time, best time to use creatine. Time doesn't matter. Consistency matters. Three to five grams a day, every day, and you should be good to go. All right, question number two. I'm stuck at 85 pounds doing barbell Romanian deadlifts and want to increase the weight, but my body is not having it. Do you have any tips? So... Yeah, I do. The barbell Romanian deadlift. Let's break down what that exercise is if, if you're listening and you're not familiar. There are Romanian deadlifts with a barbell, Romanian deadlifts with dumbbells, and the motor pattern is essentially the same. It's it's um, kind of similar to uh, like a conventional barbell deadlift, uh, only that you're not necessarily always bringing the, the weight all the way down to the ground and then picking it back up. And really this one, a barbell conventional deadlift is going to be involving your posterior chain um, from top to bottom. And, and, and it's not going to be as specifically targeted to the hamstrings and glutes as a Romanian deadlift would be. Um, so Romanian deadlift proper form and technique is typically where you start standing up straight with, uh, you know, the, the bar holding onto the barbell. You think about sticking your butt back as far as you can to the wall behind you while you lower the weight down. And when the weight gets to right around, you know, just below the knee joint, you should feel a stretch on your hamstrings, a weighted stretch. And at that point, you think about pushing your feet through the floor and exploding the weight back the weight back up to the top and then you think about thrusting your hips forward into uh, the barbell and you should feel the this exercise primarily like i said in your hamstrings and then at the top in your glutes as you lock out each and every rep and um, the barbell variation is one that can be tricky it can be one that's tricky to find a way to continue to progress on it and one thing i would say is if you've been doing the the barbell romanian deadlift for a while now and you feel like you've plateaued there's a couple things that you could do Number one, it might be as simple as taking a deload week. Um, if you've been training really hard, you've been trying and trying and trying to add weight to this exercise and it hasn't been working, your body could be telling you like, hey, we've built up so much fatigue that it's time to take a deload week, scale things back, let your body catch up in terms of recovery, and you can dive back into a new phase of training and try to progress with weight, sets, reps, all that stuff again. So if you haven't taken a deload week or any active rest or anything like that, that might be the, the first and, and easiest thing uh, for you to, to do. Um, now, another thing I think is important to talk about is the proper form and technique, which I, I just walked through. Um, I, I often find a lot of people think they need to take the weight all the way down to the floor or as low as their body will possibly allow them to, to lower the weight. And a lot of times that it's just biomechanically like you're not set up to lower the weight that low. Like I see a lot of people lowering the weight down and they get just below the knee joint, which is where I tell most people to stop and they keep going and they try to get the weight just 
physically as low as they can, as close as they can to the floor. And what happens is you go from having uh, a relatively neutral spine to then, you know, your upper back starting to bend over. And um, in terms of like wanting to add load to this exercise, wanting to get stronger at it, wanting to add weight, if you're potentially going through a range of motion that is, uh, you know, further than you should or further than you need to, that could be what is preventing you from actually being able to load up this exercise and add weight to it. Another thing that comes to mind, and a lot of these tips, you know, like we're talking about barbell Romanian deadlifts here. Um, a lot of these tips can just be applied to standard you know, training and programming for getting stronger, for building strength. Um, I'm curious to know, like you're doing 85 pounds for how many reps? Because at a certain point, like to build strength, you often need to be doing mixtures of working in higher rep ranges and lower rep ranges. So, you know, if you did, um, if you're doing 85 pounds on the barbell Romanian deadlifts for eight to 12 reps, have you tried doing heavy Romanian deadlifts for five to six reps because it's not it's not always practical to think you will continue to add weight to a high rep exercise forever um, and in order to build strength it's not always about how many reps you can do it's actually also about like okay how what type of stimulus can you give to your body for strength it's not only about building muscle but it's also the you know training your central nervous system and giving your body a stimulus that says like hey this is heavy right? So the body needs to adapt to be able to handle heavy things. And oftentimes to give your body that stimulus where it's like giving your body heavy weight, um, it's not practical to think that you would do that uh, like a really heavy weight for eight reps. You'd probably practically be able to do a really heavy weight for three or four or five or six reps. So it's okay to bring the reps down in order to add weight. That's uh, that you don't have to stick to these, these rep ranges are kind of arbitrary. Like they don't, they're important. You need to do enough work to build strength. Um, but at the same time, like l- being able to scale back on the rep ranges in order to add weight over time is going to allow you to actually get stronger at certain exercises. And then the last thing that comes to mind for barbell Romanian deadlifts is sometimes it can be beneficial to get away from the barbell version and do a dumbbell version the variation of that exercise for a while to, uh, you know, help. And, and with that, you probably have to lighten the load a little bit. Um, but, you know, dumbbell exercises allow you to move a bit more freely, whereas the barbell is it's always going to be in front of you. With the dumbbells, you can put them at your sides a bit more comfortably, focus on form and technique, focus on building muscle in your posterior chain and specifically your hamstrings and your glutes. And then if you do that for a couple months and then come back to the barbell variation, you may find that you're stronger or you have better form and technique, which allows you to lift more weight for more sets and more reps. Um, so those are a lot of different options. And again, those, this kind of applies to any type of exercise that you would be doing. But um, think about those and think about if any of those speak directly to you and what you're doing with barbell RDLs and, and, you know, if they seem to speak to potentially, uh, what the problem might be, but hopefully those are, those are all helpful for you. All right. Question number three, how to set up a long-term plan. This person said they have the, uh, they have that winter bod and they want to lose weight, burn fat and, um, do it sustainably, right? So have a long-term plan. And, I'm glad this question was asked because I think we're so 
constantly focused on quick progress, and that's going to be in our next question. Um, oftentimes, people aren't focused on the long term and how to set up a plan long term, how to set up things sustainably. It's not the sexiest way to go about things, but like if you can set up a long term plan that sets you up for success, again, long term, you're going to make so much progress because you did something in a way that promoted long-term progress and not just like as much weight as I can lose in a month. Uh, so a long-term plan, I'm a, <laughs> this is going to sound like a tangent. I promise it's not. I'm, I'm a huge sports fan and I'm a huge football fan. And I love with my clients to think about the year in four quarters. And like we do that in business too, right? Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Uh, I like to look at the year in quarters. So take the first three months, second three months, third three months, and fourth three months, and have slightly different goals throughout those four quarters. And, and you know, if your goal is weight loss or fat loss, the the goal can always be weight loss and fat loss, but we can go through different phases throughout the year to help you actually maximize your progress with weight loss. And like, this is going to sound backwards, but n- transitioning sometimes into maintenance or a surplus of calories can actually help you down the road lose more weight. So like an example of it could be first quarter of the year, um, January, February, March. We're coming to the end of the first quarter of the year. That could be you know, where you get into a 300 to 500 calorie deficit and you're, you're pretty actively and aggressively chasing weight loss, trying to lose weight consistently for three months. Um, and you think about it, three months, 90 some days, right? So at the end of that phase, um, it may be beneficial on a number of fronts to transition into a maintenance phase for the second quarter of the year, where instead of focusing so specifically on weight loss, you get to bump calories up a little bit and think more specifically about increasing your performance in the gym. And by doing that, so often people still see that like in that second quarter, they lose weight, may not have been as fast as the first quarter, but you lost weight during that phase. And then when you get to the third quarter of the year, you made all these gains in the gym, you still lost a little bit of weight, you can dive back into another calorie deficit in the third quarter and chase weight loss more aggressively. And you had the past three months to kind of, you know, take a step back mentally and physically from being in a a deficit every day. And so you feel more refreshed and more rejuvenated to dive back into a weight loss phase. And then you're super successful in the third quarter of the year because you haven't spent every single day and every single month leading up to that third quarter focused on losing weight and stressed out about losing weight and having to be in a calorie deficit and meticulously tracking your calories and your macros all the time. Um, it can be really, really effective. Uh, even in that second quarter, you could potentially go into a slight surplus if you wanted to. And then because of the sports analogy, and I actually tend to work with a lot of football fans, um, I think probably just cause I talk about sports a lot. Um, the fourth quarter of the year is almost always maintenance or a slight surplus. Because if you think about like that fourth quarter of the year, uh, October, November, December, what do we have? October, we have Halloween. November, we have Thanksgiving. December, we have Christmas and New Year's Eve. Like 
there are so many holidays that it's always difficult to try and be in an aggressive deficit and lose weight consistently for, for that uh, fourth quarter of the year, that it's just like, why, why put yourself through that? If you can structure things earlier in the year that you know have you experiencing success, then going into a maintenance phase for the final three months of the year isn't so bad because you can look back on all the progress you made, say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I've done really well. This time of year is the most challenging. I'm looking to maintain this progress so that when we get to Q1, quarter, quarter number one of the following year, I can dive back into that weight loss phase again. This is the stuff people don't do because people are addicted to dramatic, rapid weight loss. Again, we're about to dive into that topic. Um, th- that's how I love to structure long-term plans though. And I think like, you, you, okay, if you don't want to do the four quarter thing, you don't have to, but the principles of what I just walked you through where we're talking about phases throughout the entire year and understanding that if you have one specific goal, that doesn't have to be the the repetitive plan day after day after day. And then if you have a bad week, you failed, right? It, it does not have to be structured that way. So I would encourage you to set up a long-term plan to get rid of the winter body, to help you lose weight and burn some body fat. Think about your year in phases. Think about your specific year and how it tends to look. And you know what does each quarter tend to look like for you? And where are the pockets of time that you think are most smart to try and set up a weight loss plan for yourself. And then what other times a year are more challenging? Let's look at maintenance or let's look at a surplus. And then let's focus in those pockets of time on training performance increases. So uh, I hope that helps. All right, I've been teasing it. I've been teasing it quite a bit. So let's get into question number four. Uh, This is actually two questions that I have received via Instagram DM. And uh, if you're not following me on social media, please make sure that you do everywhere. I am Chris Gates Fitness. So just look that up and you'll find me on Instagram. I received these two DMs. Okay, I'm going to read them verbatim. DM number one, I want to lose as much weight as possible in one month. How can I do it? And DM number two, I'm trying to do 500 calories a day for extreme weight loss. Do you have any ideas? And for the second one, I straight up replied and said, and I'm not going to say the usernames because I don't want to put these people on blast. I straight up said, that is a terrible idea. And then the person got back to me and said, I can't, you know, sorry for asking a question. I thought you wanted to help. And I said, listen, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like the, the health risks of eating 500 calories a day are so unbelievably serious you don't understand what you're potentially doing to yourself. If you restrict yourself to 500 calories a day, first off, let's establish the fact that's never going to work. You're going to burn out. You're going to quit. You're going to end up potentially binging, right? And then potentially you fall into this pendulum of like severe restriction for short periods of time followed by binge eating because of that restriction. And you could develop a binge eating disorder, which is really, really messed up. You could really ruin your relationship with food if you do a severe restriction diet like this. I do not recommend it, okay? I do not recommend trying either of these approaches of like, I want to lose as much weight as I possibly can in as short a period of time as possible. So my answer to any and all of these questions, and I know I'm going to continue to get DMs. I know all of the people aren't listening to this podcast episode, but I will continue to say this. These are terrible ideas. 
These are absolutely terrible ideas because there is no point in hell for you to try and lose weight in a way that you would never envision yourself eating or living your life. It makes no sense to me at all. Now, I understand some people need to do it for like a competition. If you're a power lifter, weightlifter, whatever, bodybuilder, and you need to lose weight quickly to get to a whatever your competition weight needs to be like, that's different. That's not what I'm talking about. And those aren't the type of people that I work with. I work with the everyday man and woman who wants to feel more confident, lose a little bit of weight, build a little bit of muscle for everybody else. This is not something that you're ever going to live. You're never going to live your life this way. And that's like, even why I don't recommend a keto diet to people, because why would you, if you're sitting there right now and you love carbs but you've been convinced carbs are the enemy and so you think you need to do keto to lose weight. Okay, you're gonna lose weight on keto, but then once you lose however much weight you wanna lose, you're gonna come back to carbs, right? And then you're not gonna have learned anything about how to responsibly manage carbohydrates in your diet. And so you're gonna go back to the same problems that you ran into. You're much better off taking the foods you enjoy and then taking whole nutritious foods that maybe you are, maybe you are not eating and figuring out a way to combine all of them together and learn about your nutrition, learn about your relationship with these foods and learn how to structure a diet for yourself that works. That's what I do with my clients because when I sign somebody up, when somebody wants to work with me, I never say, okay, well here, let's be clear. You cannot eat these foods or you have to eat these foods. No, that's ridiculous. Anybody should be able to eat any of the foods that they want, but you need to understand how to do it in a way that is responsible and supports the goals that you have. Like, I eat ice cream four to five times a week, okay? And I'm able to manage my body weight because I don't have a whole pint of it. I have little servings of it here and there. It, it, it satisfies that you know little taste that, that I want, and that's enough. And it can be enough. And, and those are the ways that you have to start to figure out how to manage your diet to like give yourself those indulgences, but not make them so absurd that it throws you from a calorie deficit to a calorie surplus because you had to eat ice cream on Tuesday night at 930. Like it's, uh, I, I hate these questions. I hate these questions so much because I think people have been convinced that like you have to do things this way or if you lose as much weight as you possibly can in as short a period of time as you possibly can, it's going to solve all your problems and it's not going to solve your problems. It is not going to solve your problems. You have to fix your relationship with the foods that you're eating. So please do not do these diets. Okay. And if you listening ever talk to anybody that's interested in doing these, please tell them what I just said. Please share that with them. All right, question number five, last one for today's episode. How to get in enough protein during times of fasting, uh, like Lent, Ramadan, other holidays that have some type of fasting element to them? And uh, this is... This is the question that came from um, a number of my clients recently, and it's definitely a challenge, right? Especially... You know, when we know that whether you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to build muscle, high protein diet is going to support whatever your goal is. And uh, if you are consistently exercising, it's important for you to get in a, a decent amount of protein. Um, normally, I recommend okay, so if there are times of fasting, first and foremost, when are you not fasting and how much protein can we get in in those windows of time? Because 
it is, okay, if you're talking about what's most optimal, what's most ideal for getting in protein, it is most ideal to get protein in consistently throughout the day. But again, we're not bodybuilders here. We're probably not power lifters or uh, Olympic weightlifters or anything like that. So like if you're an athlete training at a high level, that's what you have to do. If you are not, it's okay to have long periods of time where you don't have any protein. Uh, there's a ton of research that shows like as long as at the end of each day, you're getting in the amount of protein that you need to be, you're going to be able to recover from your workouts. You're going to be fresh and be able to train hard the next day. And you're going to be able to make just as much progress um, as you could if you had everything structured optimally. Like we're talking about everything structured optimally, 100% progress. If, if it's not optimal, but you're still hitting your numbers, 95% progress. We're not talking about a big difference here. So um, like what I just went over with one of my clients recently was for Ramadan, um, it's sun up and then sundown, right? So before sunup, you can get a meal. After sundown, you can get one or two meals and okay, let's pack in as much protein as we can. Um, and if you're trying to build muscle, let's try and get in some, some higher calorie foods. I guess maybe out of the realm of normal, like, Hey, as much whole nutritious food as you can. Uh, if you have a shorter period of time and you need to get calories in, you need to get protein in. find a way to do it. You know, it's a, you gotta, you gotta maximize the available time that you have, uh, in these situations. And then beyond that, um, supplementation is probably going to be really helpful uh, to be quite honest with you. And I always say like, you don't need supplements. You don't need to take a protein shake. Um, but the reason protein shakes are so popular is because a lot of people struggle to get in protein on uh, a daily basis, or I, I guess they struggle to get in high enough protein specifically from food on a regular daily basis. So uh, being able to have a protein supplement is going to probably help you out quite a bit because you could have a, a meal that is 30 grams of protein. And then if you can smash a protein shake along with that, that's another 30. Um, you got 60 grams of protein right there. That might be half the protein you need for the entire day. And you got it in one meal. So that's really, really good. Uh, and if you do it at the beginning of the day and you do it at the end of the day, then you got your 120 grams of protein or whatever, uh, you know, your goal may be. So, uh, protein supplementation is probably going to be something that you need to do, uh, during these, periods of fasting that happen. Um, so that would be my other recommendation. And I always tell people whey isolate protein, doesn't matter the brand or anything like that. If you're getting a whey isolate, um, that's probably going to really help. You could also, uh, try casein at night if you're going to have some protein before bed, but, uh, those are, those are typically easy to find and they're not too expensive. So those are uh, my recommendations there. Thank you so much for listening to this uh, episode of the podcast. I, I really do appreciate it. This was fun, and I hope you'll tune in next week for part two, uh, where we'll be diving into things like calorie deficits, deload weeks, uh, some more questions on supplementation, um, how to get restarted after a long layoff with training, and then prepping for spring break and how to uh, feel more confident wherever you're going for the spring break. But, uh, Thank you so much. Like I said, I appreciate you listening. Um, again, if you're interested in getting any coaching or just talking about your goals, check out that coaching link in the show notes. I would love to talk to you and uh, I will talk to you in the next one.